are listening to We Love Where You Live, the podcast series brought to you by the Michigan Municipal League. Here's your host, Matt Bach. Welcome to another edition of We Love Where You Live, the podcast. I am Matt Bach, uh, Assistant Director of Strategic Communications for the Michigan Municipal League. And today I'm joined by the league's uh, John Lamacchia. And we're going to be uh, talking with uh, former Kalamazoo Mayor Bobby Hopewell. Uh, Bobby uh, was recent recipient of our Guido uh, Outstanding Service Award. Um, and uh, Bobby is a longtime mayor. He's got it right there in his hand. Um, <laughs> he was a longtime mayor of Kalamazoo. In fact, the longest serving mayor in Kalamazoo history. So, Bobby, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us and congratulations on the Thank award. You, Matt. I appreciate it. And hi, John. Good to see you as always. Mayor, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> now, uh, Bobby, your career is is immense, and you've done you know so many big uh, things. Uh, from you know co-founder of the Kalamazoo Foundation for Excellence, uh, you really uh, criminal justice reform has been a big passion of yours. Uh, you were instrumental in, in city uh, Kalamazoo charter reform. You're known as the mayor with heart, uh, of what I read. And but the biggest question I have for you is: you're a big movie fan. And I see you prefer, uh, you like science fiction movies, and I see you prefer Star Trek over Star Wars. And I kind of have an issue with that. So let's go ahead and, and what, why Star Trek over Star Wars? I'm thinking, wow, you, you throw the ringers at the beginning. <laughs> um, so uh, it mainly is my growing up. You know, I, I was, um, I, I, my young life of you know, remembering, so I was, I was born in 64 and, Star Trek came out about 70 or 60 something, but I yeah. early 70s. And so it was a part of my growing up where Star Wars was in my later years, 77 and on. Yeah. My first exposure was to um, <laughs> Captain James Tiberius Kirk and <laughs> right. and Aurora and Sue and Chekhov and Bones and, and uh, yeah. Um, Scotty. So those were really ones that, that sunk into me. And they had such messages of how we relate to each other, how we grow together, how we become connected. Uh, it's such a relational program, even though it was based in science fiction. Uh, yeah, that that's the whole story. And, you know, and they had full time torpedoes. So, you know, <laughs> right. Plus, they had transporters. Star, Star Wars didn't have transporters. Right, no transporters in the other, you know, and, and tribbles. You got to love the tribbles. So, yeah, tribbles were cool. And it's interesting to me because it also speaks to, you know, in a larger degree, kind of a, a, how a lot of your elected career has focused on, you know, bringing people together, people of different backgrounds, diversity. You know, that stuff's all been very important to you. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, Star Trek. That's how that. Yeah. Happens. And, yeah, of course, Star Wars only had only had poor uh, Billy D. Williams as the only representation, but Star Trek had a lot more diverse uh, cast, and particularly with, uh, you know, Lieutenant Uhura, uh, you know, in the 60s, seeing a, a black female lead in a, in a show, that was pretty, pretty big deal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she was a hero for so many people. And when you don't see folks that look like yourself on television too often um, that are portrayed in a positive light, um, she was one of those, those people that you look to, that you uh, got to say, hey, we can do this. This is, this is an opportunity for everyone to be in front of that camera. You didn't, not, you didn't only not see, um, not the best double negatives there, but 
um, people of color in front of the camera, but behind the camera. You didn't. Right. We never get Directors. to see there weren't that many behind the camera. So she was that light, that that star that we could look to and say, yeah, this is an opportunity. I can do that. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I read that you, of course, born and raised in Kalamazoo. I think you're the fourth of five uh, siblings. Your mother was obviously a big part of your uh, you know, life and, and kind of directing you. Um, and you're originally uh, EMT, uh, emergency medical technician. I think that's what it stands for. Um, but then in, in high school, you served on the student council and kind of got the political bug then. Is that, is that true? Uh, tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on the, the student uh, government in my junior year and senior year at Kalamazoo Central High School. And um, this was, I think, part of um, some friends saying, hey, we need to have some more voices. Would you be willing? And I think they knew I was involved in scouting. I'm an Eagle Scout. I was involved in the Scouting's Explorer program, really learning about emergency medical services. And, and that was going to be my career path. And I think they saw that I was trying to lead in those or try to participate in those and that maybe I would do okay as a student representative. So I, I don't remember if we ran for this office that's so long. I think we did have a campaign. Oh, for student council? <laughs> yes. I think this was my first uh, elected body. And it is interesting because one of the things I tried to do in some of my earlier years as mayor is starting to form some youth connective pieces. And I thought that the best way to do that was to go to the middle schools and the high schools and talk to what, what are their elected officials. Um, they are elected to represent the student body and so if we're going to have some type of group that's going to be working with me as mayor, and if we want young people, then I felt you go to the young people that young people have said they wanted to lead. And it may be also my connection back to my history of student council and student government that I really felt that uh, that was important. Um, so uh, there you have it, uh, <laughs> and student government, uh, I think the bug may have gotten into me a little bit. And government was my number one class. I think it might be the only one that I had a full 4.0 in. Oh, wow. <laughs> there weren't that many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and did you, was your mother involved in like community activism at all? Or did she kind of inspire you for that? Yeah. So my mother was involved in scouting. So she had uh, Boy Scout packs. Uh, my sister wasn't really... Uh, um, into the Girl Scouts. So scouting was one of those things. My mother was heavily involved in our church. And then in her later years, she got involved more with community stuff, the Neighborhood Association, the, uh, the food bank uh, service every week. She does that now at 84 mm -hmm. years. She's still wow, 84, still doing it. Masked up and uh, you know, <laughs> socially distanced, but she's still involved in that. And um, yeah, she's just uh, this amazing lady. Right. So, how did uh, how did you finally uh, get involved in city politics? What was the interest there? Um, I, with that, yeah. So, um, I talked about emergency medical services a little bit. Yeah, uh, and. Being in the Explorer and the fire department at the time, the Kalamazoo Fire Department, now it's the Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety, exposed me to the city and, and the services in a, in a way that we provide to the city, mainly through the fire department and, and EMS. 
when I became the operations um, leader here at Life EMS in Kalamazoo, these guys up here, um, we had no business at all. There was there were no uh, uh, requests for service that were coming to us. The organization was started. They they're headquartered in Grand Rapids, but hired me here in Kalamazoo to really build the company. And so I was going to every city council meeting, just trying to have my face out there and introducing myself and learning about people and and commenting on community stuff that was going on because it's still my home. And some folks saw that and they asked me to serve on the zoning board of appeals and an appointed office. I said, okay, I'm interested. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. I was asked to serve on the planning commission and I kept getting these opportunities as we were trying to build the business business in it here in Kalamazoo. I didn't get much business for quite a while <laughs> doing this work right? Lots of opportunities <laughs> to serve the city. So they flipped the flip on me. <laughs> I served as our charter review chair and we made some changes to the charter. And then after that, someone said, hey, why don't you run for Kalamazoo County government? Oh. I really said to them, what's that? <laughs> uh, it doesn't deal with the city. Well, I'm really not interested in anything that doesn't help our city. So a few years yeah. happened and um, in 2003 was my first run for uh, public office and became a commissioner and then 05 became the vice mayor and then 07 became mayor. And in Kalamazoo at the time, when you run for city commission, the highest vote getter became the mayor. So right. That's how it did work. It's now yeah. run for the office, but that's how it did work. So yeah, and that was something that you were instrumental in changing. You, why did you see that that was important as opposed, you know, to have a separate race for mayor as opposed to the the older system? Well, a couple things. When I served on the charter review process, we actually introduced proportional representation. Okay. <laughs> No one will understand. It's ranked <laughs> voting. There's a drive to try to have that now. And I shouldn't say no one would understand. I didn't mean it that way. We had right. difficult making the connection with the citizens on that opportunity. And so the city commission at the time did not move it forward. But we knew if we were going to make a change that you'd have to make a change in the mayorship act as well, because with proportional representation or staggered terms or more years on terms that are staggered, you would have to figure out how you're going to elect your mayor. Um, and I also felt that in this job, having, uh, having done it for a while, I understood the expectations that individuals in our community have, even though we're not a strong mayor system, right. that's hard to, um, hard to convince folks right. that <laughs> the position of the mayor uh, doesn't have certain powers. And it is significant and it is impactful to be the mayor of a community. So why should you not have to put your voice forward saying, I want this role compared to what I call happenstance. And it's mm. not, I know the citizens voted, but you may have voted for John Lamachia and myself and you love John, you think I'm okay. And all of a sudden I'm the mayor the next morning and you're wanting John to be the mayor. How about you just go and be able to say, this is who I want to be the mayor of our city. And that's where we, we ended up. And, but it was also about the staggered terms for me that I believe two years was not enough to really allow our commissioners to impact the way they would like, and that we needed to have some continuity in our government. Right. And so why should everyone be at large every two years 
you could get seven new people. It happened before where we had four totally new people come on board. Um, so that's where we landed. I just felt it was, it made the best sense for continuity and for our citizens to have the strongest voice. Right. And of course you went on to serve 12 years. I think one month I saw as mayor, the longest serving mayor in Kalamazoo's history. And John, I'll bring you in the conversation now. Uh, you know, obviously you, you, you expanded your reach and, and your, your voice, you know, well beyond Kalamazoo. You're very involved with our um, Urban Core Mayors Group, which is the 13 urban centers in Michigan. You were a chair of that group. Uh, John, uh, talk a little bit about what Bobby's influence on that um, group was um, with your experience. Yeah, yeah. happy to do that. But, uh, you know, I was, Bobby, I always like listening to you talk about your history, right? Um, and just sort of your, your care and your passion for things. And so I'll share, I'll share a story. I don't think I've told you this before. Um, and it's not a bad thing. Throw a secret out there. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I feel right. like we should have a surprise guest who's like, and here she is. <laughs> back from, <laughs> you know, when I, when I started at the league, I can't remember if you were, if you were on the board yet, or if you were just about to start your term on the board, but which was some of my first experience with you. Um, but even that's pretty limited, right. You know, kind of in and out, you know, day of stuff, high buy type things, but, my first real experience with you, right, um, was in 2015. Uh, and I was making the tour to a bunch of different communities to talk about uh, Proposal One, the road funding. Uh, oh, yeah. and, I, and I came to town and I was asked to give a presentation to council. And so I was well rehearsed, right? I was ready to go, no problem. So I get up there and I do my thing. And one of the things that we had talked about was the impact it would have on first responders, right? And so we talked about road condition, we talked about delayed times, and I used the term ambulance driver. And the first person that came and talked to me after my presentation was you. And I don't think I have used the term ambulance driver until this moment again, right now, because I was very quickly corrected that it's EMT. Um, but it, as I've gotten to know you, right, uh, sort of that, that, that passion, right, that uh, attention to detail. Um, and really, as we started with the, the urban core mayors, it was, you know, more and more uh, at the forefront for me. And, and again, talk about first, right? I remember the first conversation we sat down with Dan and you and I uh, over a bite to eat to really talk about what we wanted to do with the urban core. And what you had said at that time was basically, in, in a nutshell, like, let's just not meet to meet, right? I want to have a set of action every single time uh, that, that we get together, which, you know, uh, being involved with you over the last, you know, two years, uh, maybe a little less with that. I mean, that was a constant driving force behind what we did with the Urban Corps. And you know, I, I, I'll, I'll kick it to you to talk a little bit about, because I know we've talked about it a lot, about how important that is to you. But I know we've made some great strides, and you've really been at the forefront of drive, driving that renewal of that group um, and really putting them back on the map where we can have some impact, whether that be you know, some of the stuff we just did around the Investor Summit, some of the things that we got involved in with, uh, with criminal justice reform and things like that. But it's just been a pleasure to, to sort of reinvigorate that with you. 
Well, thanks, John. You know, you get a lot of credit for the work you do keeping us, uh, and I say us because I'm still representing Kalamazoo a little bit on behalf of, uh, of our mayor, David Anderson, but you've been able to corral these amazing, interesting, quirky leaders to look and focus on the opportunities that urban centers have and the opportunities to make them better and the opportunities to change some of the trajectories and connect us differently with each other along with connecting us differently with the whether it's the state legislature or national leaders as we as we talked about um, this past week as we looked at all these amazing presentations from our cities and opportunity zones and, and growing these cities. Uh, I have been honored to be involved in this work because I'm a cityite, I guess. And we know that communities are growing and individuals are moving back to be a part of urban cores. And we had been struggling truly to figure out our voice figure out uh, some strategies to work together to move uh, ideas forward as a conglomeration of uh, these amazing places. And I remember during the retreat that we had uh, where the mayor said, said, the mayors had said, hey, are we going to do something? If we're going to do something, if we're going to be a part of something, then, then let's make sure that it's impactful and let's make sure that it's meaningful because we can talk all day, but actions speak. And that's where I was, that we can, we can bring a voice that's not heard in this way forward, that we can uh, find ways to collaborate that maybe we never thought of before, whether it's between each other or even ideas that we gain from each other that we can move in our own communities to impact the residents and uh, citizens of our, of our cities. These 13 individuals are amazing leaders. They are some of the best you will find. They have passion and uh, compassion and care so much about how we move cities. And we know that that means moving and finding paths and opportunities for our residents and our neighborhoods and our streets, that's what they do. And it's it's just been a great journey. And John, you've been such a great part of that, that my I decided not to run for office. I knew we were in good hands with everybody and, and our dear Mayor Bliss of Grand Rapids, she's outstanding. So we're in good hands. I mean, I, I, I tried and tried and tried to get you to put your name back on that ballot. I did. Uh, you, you didn't listen to me though. Um, I do think, you know, what you talk about there, Bobby, so, so important, right? Because, you know, one of the things is, as we've seen our communities, you know, struggle through the Great Recession and some of the other issues that, that have taken place over the last, you know, decade, and even what's going on now in our society with the pandemic and some of the social justice issues that are out there, you know, we always think about our silos, right? And those communities were in their silos a lot. And I think, you know, just being able to get them together in a very real sense is one help to get them out of those silos a little bit. But as I've talked about, it's not competitive, right? It's, it's compatibility, right? Uh, between those communities and really sharing ideas. And, and I watched how close you've been with, with Mayor Shore and out of Lansing and Mayor Bliss out of Grand Rapids and just 
you know, the thought process that you guys go through to share ideas and, and really learn from each other is one of those benefits uh, to that group that I, I didn't see, right? I mean, as a lobbyist, I'm always so focused on legislation all the time, but I really think where, where we've maybe had a bigger impact to date is, you know, having that open lines of communication and then building some partnerships that we didn't have beforehand. And, and again, this is a journey, right? You always talk about being on the journey, um, you know, and, and this wasn't going to be something that was going to be a six month little thing. I mean, we are on a, a long-term journey here and, and something that you've laid the groundwork for in a, in a very real way and, and still happy to have you in, involved in that uh, very directly. But maybe you could talk a little bit about, and, and not specifically with Mayor Bliss or Mayor Shore, but just the importance of relationships with your fellow mayors and not, not even just urban core, right? But I mean, you got a lot of communities around you uh, that I know you've worked with and, and spent time with over time. Yeah, we, we tend to forget sometimes that, um, you know, that our problems in cities or the challenges and the opportunities in cities are almost identical everywhere you go, just at different scale. And yeah, we are not in Indianapolis. We're not a Grand Rapids, Kalamazoo's not, we're not a Detroit, but the challenges that you face and the opportunities you face are similar. You know, you're dealing with parks and recreation and young people's success and opportunities. How do you protect the city and keep it safe while also balancing equity and inclusion and, and good policy that deals with when you, when you make a mistake and, and something happens that you, you aren't as proud of? To streets and roads, <laughs> and we know here in Michigan, streets and roads are so important. Um, and, and I can go on, urban planning, neighborhoods, all, the whole nine yards. Learning from each other and being able to, to being able to ask, be willing to ask for help, be willing to uh, step in the fray, being willing to stand next to a mayor when they're challenged with something and be that, that uh, whether it's that supporter that stands there with them and knows what they're going through or whether it's to um, shore up uh, an initiative they might be taking on that you've already been involved in. I saw it with the criminal justice reform, the, the expungement uh, work that was going on. And we came together as the urban core mayors along with other uh, communities and other uh, electeds brought them together to say, this is, this is important to all of us. There are folks that have records that are in the UP, in Marquette, in Grayling, in Traverse City, in Alpena, in Detroit, in Lansing, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, that have to find their way. When they have paid their debt to society, they have to be able to pay their debts. We have to be smarter. And we brought everyone together to say, hey, this is important work for all of us. Let's move this forward. Having those relationships are so important. Two years ago when, when Grand Rapids was hit by that major storm and and they were in a state of emergency and all of these things. And, and I'm looking at television going, well, you know, they, they need to get limbs cut and all these other things. And we didn't get hit hard. Hey, Mayor, can we send you some help? Now, I would have never thought to say that necessarily if I didn't know Rosalind Bliss. 
but because we build a relationship, we were able to get on the phone and say, hey, I can help, or do you know, or might I ask you? All of those things, these relationships are so important. And I think it pays off for the residents of our communities. Yeah, so let, let me, you, you touched on criminal justice reform quick, and, and, I, and I've seen this firsthand. And so, uh, I, but I think it's really important that others out there hear how important it is to you, but, but why, right? I mean, this is something that, that again, as, as I've talked about your passion and things that you care about and pushing forward, um, this was one of those, right? This is one, hey, we got to get involved. We need to do this. Like, there are no excuses for not being a part of this is, is, is really what you said. And, you know, so we've been, been engaged and, and we've seen some legislation now passed and signed by the governor, which makes us one of the most, if not the most progressive states around criminal justice reform and expungement in the country. But, but why was that so important to you? And, and, and why did you want to jump in, you know, feet first, all in? Uh, on that issue? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I wish I could say it was all altruism, but I don't think it totally is. Um, so my story is, is this one. It's, it's pretty simple. So I have a cousin um, that lives here in Kalamazoo. And I'm not going to get into who he is or anything like that, but um, I used to work for Borges Hospital. So again, the mayorship is not full-time here in Kalamazoo. And I work for uh, Borges, Ascension Borges uh, um, from 05 till 14. And I ran two support, a few support services departments, switchboard, mailroom, food, nutrition, environmental services, all of those things. And my cousin applied for a job. My cousin was, I think at the time about 50 years old I couldn't hire him. And this was like 2012 to 2010, something like that. I couldn't hire him because in 1977, he had a marijuana possession and was arrested and went through the system. And so he had a record, 1977. And we're in the year 2000. Capable, willing to work, hard worker. We talk about needing talent. And then we more or less have disposable talent. That's, we've, we've made so, many, so much talent disposable. If you pay your debt to society, then that's your penalty. It should not be a scarlet letter that you made a mistake forever. It's not one of us that haven't made a mistake. And I'm betting someone out there who's listening probably made a mistake that could have allowed them could have gotten them into the who's cow, could have certainly gotten them arrested and a record have occurred. And we know the judicial system isn't always that fair to folks of color as well. So you got also that. So we've in right. really um, messed up folks' lives. And don't get me wrong, you take personal responsibility for something you've done. I, I have no issue with that. And you pay a price. But once that price is paid, why are you still paying that price? It makes no sense. When we need talent, we need community to be safe. So that lack of altruism, if you can't find an opportunity in, in the real world of jobs and a path, pathway and a purpose, you may have to fall back just to survive to the things that wound you in the uh, who's cow in the first place. It's 
just yeah, yeah. We have to yeah. be smarter. And I just think we've just been, we just haven't used the brain power. You sit in the room and it's obvious. And it was Republicans and Democrats that came together to say, hey, we need to do this. Don't get me wrong. We need to do more. We need to do more. But I'm all about taking some steps, creating some actions that are impactful, and then build on those and build on those and build on those. So that's my, my passion for it. It's wrong what has been done. We need to right the wrong. When right is called for, do right. Yeah. So, Bobby, I'm I'm going to turn it back over to Matt and let him do his job, and uh, I'll quit doing it for him here. But I'll, I'll say I'll say two two final things, right? And, and one, you know, ties to the criminal justice reform that we worked on a, a little bit more broadly because it's something else that that you've talked about, which again is, is when I think about things that um, shape the way in which. I do things personally and, and then shapes the way we do things, whether that's with the urban core or even as the organization, right? We talk about talent attraction and, and retention all the time. Um, but it is you that have constantly reminded me that we need to grow it too, right? And, and that's a critical, critical component of this. And so uh, I think when we look at criminal justice reform, when we look at some of the other things that we do, that's looking in our own backyard to grow that talent and to do those types of things. And it fits you know, really well with the narrative that not only you've talked about, that, that we've talked about uh, organizationally. And I think why you know, you're so deserving of, of the award, which is why we're here today, right? To recognize, to recognize you and, and, and I'll close with that. And simply, and, and I've said it before and I'll continue to say it publicly, thank you, uh, one, for your friendship and two, your leadership. I'm happy to be on this call with you today. Uh, I'm happy to to, to see that award in your hands and it's truly deserved. So uh, all, all the credit to you, Bobby. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, the, the award is the Guidership, uh, Leader, uh, Guido Leadership and Public Service Award. It's for outstanding, you know, years of experience named after a former mayor, uh, Guido in Dearborn. Um, what, what does it mean, Bobby, to, to get this uh, in, in this award, you know, following your long career in public service? You know, I think of it this way, that um, it, it's a recognition of a community that found a way working with individuals, whether it's me, our city commission, our city manager, to do things that impact this community. And then maybe using some of that, as we've gotten to do, uh, as John said, as urban core mayors and use some of what you learn and what you grow and, and be able to help fertilize and support and help others as they do this work. And so maybe your, your impact is beyond just your, your community. Um, so for me, it's, it's really recognizing the importance of impacting and serving others. And it was instilled in me and by my mom, you know, she is, uh, my hero, and I learned service from her. And she's like, boy, you know, and that's, she would do that on occasion, or she'd call me Bobby Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't have said that. I hate that. But anyway, <laughs> um, she say, you, you just can't talk about it. Be about it. Do something about it. Yeah, raise your voice when you can. Raise your pen when you can. Write the check when you can. 
get involved and do when you can, and then get out of the way when it's time to get out of the way. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so simple that though I appreciate war, uh, reward, awards, but that's what we're supposed to do. You know, yeah. mama said so, number one. So that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and have done what I was supposed to do. Um, whether it's the foundation for excellence and doing something that's never been done before ever. I'm yeah. always the guy that thinks, Hey, <laughs> I don't know if we can do this. Let's give it a shot, you know, and it's okay to be comfortable with being uncomfortable all the time, you know, because uncomfort creates greatness. It really does. It's the only thing that does in my opinion. And then I, over the years, the 12 years and certainly the years on council, I've had the, uh, what I call the blessings of failure as well. And we need more of those blessings sometimes to, to, uh, as my mother would say, uh, get our head going in the right direction and, and, and make some things happen. So uh, this is a true honor. And it's a, just a recognition of all the, the amazing work that we've done together, not Bobby Hopewell, but we have done together. And you guys on this call together, absolutely, the league working with the league together. That's how we get it done. Right. That, that's awesome. And you mentioned your, uh, your Bobby Joe, you have more nicknames than I think anybody I know. I'm not going to go through them all to not embarrass you, but um, you know, you did mention one program that I did think it's very important to talk about really two programs that you were instrumental in co-founding, which was the uh, foundation for excellence, which you just referenced. And then the shared prosperity effort. Can you talk br- briefly about those two and, what they are and, and what kind of impact they've had. Well, hopefully everyone's noticed that I don't do brief apparently. Um, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. I'll try to do it in like 90 seconds. So the Founders <laughs> for Excellence is uh, a new strategy that we took on as we were facing some significant financial challenges in Kalamazoo. And the foundation is intended to do three primary things and two sub things. Fund any our city's deficit budget to provide tax relief, um, and then also to provide aspirational dollars to move our city forward, along with the two subcategories, impacting in, uh, generational poverty and the success and the excellence of our children. This is a philanthropic model. Mainly we, uh, we work with some philanthropists in our community to gain a bunch of funding to support these efforts in our city. Uh, and support our, our vision that we came up with uh, called Imagine Kalamazoo. We work with our citizens to create a vision. And then out of this, we have to build an endowment, truly running a city using endowed funds. They're still, everyone's still paying taxes, things of that nature, but we, this is a new revenue model. And we have to raise a half a billion dollars, which wow. is just out there. <laughs> to now, at this point, I think we've ra- raised 99 million dollars for the endowment and we still have some gap funding that's been provided to help us not think about scarcity but think about impact and not be running around oh my god being concerned about we got to raise all this money in the endowment but let's stabilize and maybe that allows us to use our mindset differently than the mindset of scarcity under that work as i said generational poverty is one of those areas we want to we want to address we have the uh, um, shared prosperity Kalamazoo uh, really working to dive in deep 
on creating prosperity and paths and wealth generation and all those things that we all hope for in our personal lives as professionals when we're taking care of our families, to have a house, have a car, uh, we generate our wealth through our house, maybe have some dollars to invest and in some retirement and all those things. Well, we have to get that sort of mindset, those sort of opportunities into the community, into the neighborhoods, right on the street level and find those pathways to, I'll, I'll say it, wealth creation. You know, we, you know, that is what is gonna sustain us in the long run. That is what's going to make our, our communities better. That is what's going to bring us probably closer together in this wonderful, this interestingly divided nation if we can find those pathways. So I think I took two minutes rather than <laughs> No, you're great. Those are great. Those are outstanding programs. And, and I know something we've kept a close eye on the league to see how those, how those manifest themselves and, and to see if it can be replicated, uh, you know, throughout the state. Yeah, the Foundation for Excellence there's cities that have endowed funds, mayor's funds, things of that nature, but no one's ever done this in this way. And I would say that, you know, I talked about becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and certainly the blessings of failure, but we have been, we're the city of the counties who promise. You know, yep. All our kids can go to college for free. Right. That's amazing. It hadn't been done anywhere before. <laughs> right. I to do it, especially in this way. Now there's a, hundred plus promise programs out there. And, you know, you got promise zones now that uh, uh, was coined in the Obama era as well. We in Kalamazoo have created this, this new opportunity for many places in this nation. And my hope that the Foundation for Excellence can be that grandiose, that uh, aspirational um, to connect other communities with new and different ways. Um, you know, someone would say, and you know, it was, it was an interesting struggle getting this through and there was concern about, oh, you know, government, government has to take care of government and we can't have folks, uh, these capitalists trying to own our city, which they right. don't. Um, <laughs> understand you have philanthropy that's done great things in every single city in Michigan, every single one. And, you have these folks that come from different backgrounds and beliefs and have means that believe in their communities. That's why they step up and do. In our community, they've done it extraordinarily different in so many different ways than what we felt was, why can't we ask? Why can't we put it on the table? It could be, no, we can't figure this out. But guess what? If we do, what a new and amazing journey will be on for everyone in our city. Right. So, are our citizens worth it? Are our people worth it? Absolutely. Were they worth going through all the consternation and uh, all the pushing and everything? Absolutely. And I will always work for them, always, yeah. whether I'm mayor or not. And, and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, time will tell and the story will get told. And we'll see where we are in 15 years, uh, like we are 15 years out with the promise. Right. Well, to, to bring the uh, Star Trek reference full circle, I mean, Kalamazoo really has boldly gone where no one has gone before <laughs> in a lot of ways. What's uh, you've been out of office now for uh, uh, about a year. Uh, are, are you missing it or what's what's your future like? I'll, I'll end on that. What's what's next for Bobby Hopewell? <laughs> um, so I run a company in Lansing called Mobile Health Resources and I'm president and CEO of, of that organization. And we're a company that does national work and, and state work around uh, 
revenue cycle for emergency medical services. So patient billing and patient experience surveying and employee engagement surveying all over the country. And, and I'm having a good time just having one job. It's kind of <laughs> a full-time job more or less, even though the other one wasn't full-time pay. Um, I do miss it in some ways, uh, but I found myself, I found what vacations can be when you don't have to <laughs> phone. So I've been right. to Belize and I've been to Budapest and, you know, I've, I've gone and seen friends and, Columbus and Austin, where I hadn't really had a chance to, to do. Um, and I will say that, though, this year, I am, for me, I'm very, very happy that I'm not <laughs> in office. I'm not elected and I'm not the mayor of this great city. Um, and, I, and we have a great mayor and I'm supporting him in any way I can. Um, but this is a this is challenging times. I'm, I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of our governor and the work that she's done in an un, unprecedented unprecedented and in in this midst of all this fog and miasma around what do you do? The decisions just are so hard, and then you take a global pandemic and you add on an economy that gets challenged by it. And then you also add on civil unrest and, and racial inequality. Yeah. And having that conversation that, you know, we've allowed to be comfortably in the background when it needed to be in the forefront, because again, comfort doesn't get you anything. Uncomfort does. Um, this is a time that, yeah, I'd love to be in some of the midst of this for me personally. I love that. I have not had to be in the middle of it um, and so many for you. And so if that's selfish, I'm sorry, but, um, <laughs> um, but I haven't left it. I'm still there. I'm still communicating. I'm still working yeah. on a couple of cool initiatives regarding entrepreneurs of color and here in Kalamazoo and finding their path to some youth programming. Um, so I'm still working on it, but I get to work differently. Um, right. Yeah. Well, we, we appreciate your involvement. I know you mentioned the recent investor summit that the league had where we had mayors doing uh, 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 pitches and their opportunity zones for uh, investors all over the country. And you were, you know, uh, not a mayor anymore, but you're still very involved with that. So we appreciate all that you've done for the Austin and, and the league and the organization and the Urban Core Mayors. It's, it's, you had a, an amazing career. We know you haven't disappeared. Uh, and I know John calls on you from time to time. So we appreciate everything. He won't let me disappear. And I call and check on him. He has three amazing kids that I haven't gotten to meet yet. So I'm looking forward. See, that's something I'll get to do. I have time to do something. <laughs> the awesome. global pandemic is gone. I can go hang out with his kids, maybe go trick-or-treating with them next Halloween or something. <laughs> I don't have any kids. So uh, that would be fun. You know, you're always welcome, Bobby. Well, thank you. Nope. Anything thank else, you, John? No, I'm good. Just happy to see your face, Bobby. Nice to chat with you and congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you again. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. This has been a production of the Michigan Municipal League. For more information on our programs and services, please visit www.mml.org and join us for the next episode of We Love Where You Live.